0: Thank you for downloading the Focus on the Family Parenting Podcast. You can find more helpful advice at focusonthefamily.com slash parenting
1: podcast. If you're like many parents, maybe you feel that you repeat the same directions over and over again and your kids still don't catch on. If that's you, stay with us. We're going to offer some simple long-term solutions to teaching your children. I'm John Fuller, joined by Dr. Danny Huerta, who leads our parenting and youth department here at Focus on the Family. We're going to turn first to a conversation Jim Daly and I had with authors Michael Anderson and Dr. Timothy Johansson. And they shared some very practical advice with us about rules and enforcing rules with your kids.
2: One of the difficulties I think we face in the Christian community, I'd love for you to speak to this, is, you know, when we commit our lives to Christ, or maybe we grew up in a Christian home and we followed the rules and it worked well for us, you're applying that kind of rules-oriented environment because uh, we have a high regard for that. We want to be honoring to the Lord. We want to do the right things behaviorally to show our allegiance to Him put that in a parenting context especially in the christian home where rules are important and when you step back there's so much risk in that there's so much danger in that uh, speak to that christian parent about the uh, the role of rules and the importance of preparation for their launch
0: well i think rules are important but i read just read a book i'm a big sports fan i read, read a book by a great football coach and he said i'm looking for players that are obedient, but not too obedient. Because if they're too obedient, they don't have the passion in themselves Mm. to bring to the field. And I thought that's a good metaphor for parenting is some of the stuff that about guidance, are we really putting that scriptural principle on the kid in a wrong way? Um, Tim and I were talking and I said, you know, imagine I have a daughter, he has a couple daughters imagine that they came downstairs in their mid-teens or junior high with a top on that wasn't appropriate. Okay, we would suggest that we say, take the top back up and keep the receipt because that's going back. Now, I can't think of anything more to say to teach than that. Hmm. I don't have to go and talk about why the top isn't appropriate because they know me. And so I think all this teaching is a little bit of a misnomer because we teach just as much by an example and by the rudder and by consequences. And we've misperceived it as a talking thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd like to tackle the other parts of the
2: book that we really weren't able to get into. And that was on communication between parents and children. Um, describe the idea of threats that you mentioned in the book. That that hits home for me. I probably relied too much on <laughs> threats. If and, you don't, uh, then yeah, I exactly. will. No, it's more, and Jean would always say to me, you know, she put her hand on my arm and say, you know, that's a big threat for a pretty small infraction. <laughs> It'd be something like, if you don't pick your socks up again for the 15th time, you're never eating again ever.
3: Now, <laughs> yeah, that's not quite it, but you get the idea. Why are the threats really not the tool in the toolbox to use? Well, I think threats, reminders, and warnings are things that Mike and I would say are very ineffective, and threats um, is a very common thing that parents use. Now, Um, first of all, why do we go there? Why is it our instinct to go there? I think it's because we're frustrated with our child's behavior, and we want it to get fixed really, really quick. And that's not the right mindset, Mm. uh, in our opinion. I think threats are things that are vague. Uh, They tend not to uh, have a lot of meat behind them. You have to do this or else— What does or else mean? You know, for the kid, they're like, does that mean I'm grounded? Does that mean I'm whatever? So I think threats are pretty ineffective. Um, Warnings and reminders equally are ineffective. Give us an
2: example of the warning and reminder.
3: uh, Reminders, uh, we believe that parents who remind a lot create kids who forget a lot. So it creates that dependency. The very thing that
2: frustrates you, you're actually
3: reinforcing. You're actually reinforcing Hmm. and you're feeding into it. Um, And threats, reminders, and warnings are really telling your kid that they're failed in the past, they're failing now, or they're going to fail in the future. And that's what the kids feel inside uh, for uh, the situation where there's lots of threats and reminders.
2: What happens uh, long-term for that 17-year-old now that's lived in that kind of parenting
0: environment? Uh, Describe that child for me. Well, we think about a parenting intervention as whether it elevates the total behavior of the child one of the reasons I don't like threats or warnings is it, it might get a kid to go out in the front yard and bring his bike in, but that just solved the problem once. And if he leaves his bike out the next time, you didn't really gain anything. So by not saying anything without using those three things, but using a cost, kids, you, we can count on kids to be self-serving. Yes. That's our edge. <laughs> count on yourself. Do you think God, yeah, I was going
2: to say, do you think God sees us that way? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Uh, But, you know, anytime you can count on somebody's behavior, you can use it to your advantage. And we can count on our kids to be self-serving. So if it costs them to leave their bike on the yard, they're going to remember on their own. And they're not going to leave it out the next night, which will take another reminder or another threat.
1: So I'm supposed to fine my child like a buck if they leave their bike outside? Is
0: that what you're saying? It might take that, but there's other ways to be creative about it. It just has to cost them something
1: it's pretty clear from that conversation that warnings and threats and reminders, while they're often the first tools we grab from the tool chest, um, they're not the best approach for parenting. So, Danny, what should we do to correct our children's behavior or misbehavior?
4: Yeah, first of all, it's, it's really getting the concept that you're teaching something. And so I remember when my son uh, came in late from a time that we had agreed on, and this is a very common thing in high school, for parents of high schoolers, where it's either five minutes or maybe an hour late. And uh, the first question I asked was, "What do you remember the time that we agreed on? Uh, and yeah, it was this time. Uh, what what happened? Help me understand. I'm glad you're home safe. Uh, very excited to see you, and I love you. What happened? What, what happened to the time that we agreed on? Because that's trust between us, and we agreed on that, and I want you to be a man of your word. I said, well, this happened, and I kind of lost track of time. And uh, and then that's when we got to talk about the the, the trust and responsibility that's there. And uh, naturally, there's a consequence to that. And it's because I want to be life-giving for his future relationships. And and so you, this is the the consequence to that behavior. Hopefully, you'll make a different decision next time and really respect the fact that we agreed on something. If you yeah. want to negotiate that, let's talk about it ahead of time, not in the middle of the situation. And if you need to call and talk it through, just know most of the time it's going to be no, unless it's an emergency. And I want you to know that up front. And really, it was about a relational conversation initially, that I'm thankful for him. Mm -hmm. I'm not excited to catch him in something. It's about teaching him a very important lesson. And my son, my daughter, we've done this in counseling as well, the why comes in. Why is that even a rule? Hmm. These friends don't have that rule. Not fair. It's not fair. It's an interesting interesting question for a parent to listen to. Don't be threatened by that. It's a great question from a teen wanting to understand why is that boundary even there? And so step into it. Why do you have that boundary? Each family is going to have a different boundary on, on times and those things. So I'm not going to give just a blanket statement. But you need to think through what boundaries do we have and why do we have them? And then step in confidently without threat, without your emotions getting triggered to explain, this is why we have them. Great question. And, and uh, is there anything you want to talk about with, with that boundary? Yeah. Open that line of communication.
1: And sometimes emotions are ratcheted. At the moment, and so they ask the why question. You do not have to give an answer in the moment. No. It might be best just to say, let's get some sleep, and we'll talk about it in the morning.
4: Yeah, and take a deep breath, because your response there is very important as well. Yeah. Are you calm or not? No, hey, we're going to talk about this in the morning. It's, hey, great question. Let's let's get some rest and, and think it through, yeah. and we'll talk it through, but it's a great question, and I want to respect that. Using the word respect in there as much as you can to set the table for that is important because this is not about catching them in something, it's about a teaching opportunity. So take those as invitations into teaching and molding and shaping Mm -hmm. and deepening your relationship together that may have some conflict and that is okay.
1: Good stuff from Dr. Danny Huerta. And of course the conversation that we listened to earlier with Dr. Timothy Johansson and Michael Anderson was also some really helpful information and perspective. Their wonderful resource with some more common-sense parenting principles is called GIST, The Essence of Raising Life-Ready Kids. We've got that here at the ministry, and we'd ask that you make a generous donation to Focus on the Family today. Uh, Make a monthly pledge or a one-time gift of any amount, and we'll say thank you for joining the support team and enabling the work of Focus on the Family to uh, reach worldwide and help parents of uh, toddlers, middle schoolers, uh, teenagers, and adult kids. Uh, that spectrum of parenting uh, just is so broad, but we have so much to offer. Uh, join us, support the work, and uh, we'll send that copy of GIST to you. All the details are in the show notes or call 800 Family. And our website has so many different resources for you to find foundational parenting advice. Uh, we're going to link to a series of articles about the seven traits of effective parenting, and the free assessment as well for moms and dads to take. Those are going to be helpful for you no matter what age your kids are at. Uh, All of the details, again, are in the episode notes. Next time, we'll have advice to help your children get plugged in at church. And for now, on behalf of Dr. Danny Huerta and the entire team, I'm John Fuller, and this has been the Focus on the Family Parenting Podcast.